Please let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, it is unto you we ascribe all these songs of praise. It is unto you we ascribe all these songs of worship. Your word says that where two or more are gathered in your name, you are there amidst them. And so as we have gathered in your name today, we pray that you would show us that dimension of your presence that is able to bless your word and that is able to cause your word to bless your people. We give you praise and we truly give you glory in the precious name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Um, for the past few weeks, we have been working through a very important series, um, which is on the theme, Becoming More Like Jesus Christ Together. Becoming More Like Jesus Christ Together. And this is a very prophetic and scriptural theme because, you see, the whole essence of becoming Christians is not just to gather as a group of people with a similar religious ideology, but that over time, those of us who profess to be Christians would be able to look exactly like Jesus Christ. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And the Apostle Paul speaking to the saints in, in Philippi, he said to them that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so as we progress in our Christian journey, uh, it is very, very important that we try to model our lives, our attitudes, and in fact, even our disposition to situations here on earth, exactly to how Jesus dealt with such situations. And so today we're going to look at one aspect of Jesus's um, character, which is worthy of emulation. So please come with me um, to the book of Matthew, the fourth chapter, as we explore this dimension. Matthew chapter four. The Bible says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, there seems to be something very interesting about the concept of the wilderness experience. Um, if you remember carefully, back in the Old Testament, with, with respect to uh, the people of Israel, the Bible says that in the book of Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter and the 2nd verse, the Bible says when Moses was talking to the people of Israel, he said to them that remember how the Lord your God took you through the wilderness for all these 40 years. And he gives them the reason for that. He said so that he would humble you and that you know he would test you to know what is in your heart. And so there seems to be something about the wilderness experience that God would almost always allow his people to go through the wilderness for some kind of encounter. Now here again in the wilderness experience, we see Jesus being led and being full of the Spirit of God himself and taking him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So the Bible says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Verse 3 says, The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Humanity does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I really need us to appreciate something here. Remember that right before this incident where 
Jesus is, you know, is full of the Holy Spirit in, you know, to go into the wilderness. Jesus had been baptized in the book of Matthew, the third chapter. And during the baptism, something very significant happened there. The Bible says that while uh, John was performing his baptismal duties, uh, there was a voice that came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So when the devil comes here to Jesus and says, If you are truly the son of God, I need you to speak to these stones that are scattered all over this place um, to become bread for you to eat because you are hungry. Now what he was saying in essence is that if truly your father in heaven has endorsed you, has reaffirmed you as the promised son, there shouldn't be anything about you, you know, making you go hungry at this time of your life. But look at how Jesus, um, with some kind of spiritual knowledge, translated or perhaps moved the conversation from a physical conversation to a spiritual conversation. He moved the conversation from a carnal perspective to a spiritual perspective. The devil says, you are hungry, and so I need you to convert these stones to bread. And Jesus responds by saying that, you know, there is something that is more important than just physical food. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is when, is when the man Job um, said that he said something. He said that I have esteemed the word of the Lord far above my necessary food. What a statement. Now, this is the exact kind of statement that Jesus is making here. He said, look, uh, yes, I am hungry, but um, I... I have something that is more important, which is the word of the Lord, the word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So Jesus clearly was able to rebut the statement given by the devil. Now, it looks as though the devil was not satisfied and wanted to continue the kind of temptation. And look at what he said again in verse 5. The Bible says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, you look at the different dimensions of temptations that the devil is presenting to Jesus. First, he tested Jesus on Jesus's, you know, physical needs and desires. And Jesus clearly rebutted that. Again, he begins to test Jesus by saying, Look, I need you to go stand on the very pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem and then throw yourself down because there is a provision in the scriptures for you that Jesus, look, you are fully protected by the angels. You know, he was trying to, you know, bring out a desire for for, for public display of, of power and exuberance. So everybody gets to know, yes, I'm the one that has got these powers. But Jesus, again, responded with a spiritual understanding. And look at what Jesus said. Jesus said that, the response here, Jesus said, this is verse 7. He says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So, again, it looks as though... Uh, there are a series of temptations that the devil really wants to pour out to Jesus. So look at what he says again, verse 8. The Bible says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said unto him, 
All of this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. The devil took him to a high mountain, showed him a lot of things and said, I'm going to give you these things on one condition. If and only if you decide to bow down to me. Look at Jesus' response. Verse 10. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So there's a different dimension of temptation here too. The Bible says from the beginning, he, he, he was... He was tempting him on the physical desires. Again, he tempted him on the quest for, for, for public display of power and exuberance. And here again, he's testing Jesus on the quest for mat material possessions and, and, you know, and worldly pleasures. And Jesus again rebutted that statement using statements from the Holy Scriptures. Now, if you know, our purpose today is to find out how Jesus dealt with the situation, how Jesus resisted the temptations of the devil. Now look at this. You would agree with me that throughout the scriptures, right from the book of the beginnings, Genesis, through to the book of Revelations, um, the personality of the devil keeps showing up over and over and over again. In the book of Genesis, he, he is known as the one that deceives. You know, in the book of Revelations, he's called the accuser of the brethren. Um, in, in, in the synoptics, Jesus called him the thief. Jesus even called him uh, the murderer from the beginning. In fact, Jesus even called him again that he is the, he is the father of all liars. So there are different perspectives we can look at this from with respect to the devil. But you see, because my, my intention today is not to, uh, to, to deal with a concept of satanic kindle, I want us to take one aspect of the devil which will be very practical and relevant for our study today. Look at this. Within the confines of this ministration, I want us to see the devil as anything that comes between us and our free-flowing relationship with God. So within the context of this ministration, I want us to see the devil as anything that comes between us and our free-flowing relationship with God. Do you remember that there was a time when Jesus got so angry at one of his disciples and called that disciple a devil? I'm talking about Matthew chapter 16, where the apostle Peter, you know, the Bible says Jesus was with his disciples and he was telling them about how uh, he had to pass through his all-important death, which was necessary for our salvation. And, you know, while he was talking about the fact that he had to die and had to suffer many things in the hands of the, of the high priests, the Bible says Peter called Jesus aside and rebuked Jesus and told him, no, you're not going to die. And look at Jesus' response. The Bible says Jesus turned, looked at Peter and said, Satan, get behind me. Now, the next sentence is where I want us to dwell on. Jesus now says, you are a stumbling block. Now, Jesus starts by calling Peter Satan, and then he uses the next words that came out of his mouth to explain what he meant by Satan. He says, you are a stumbling block. What does that mean? You are coming between me and the preordained purposes of God for my life. And so uh, we can comfortably transpose Jesus's definition of Satan, Jesus's definition of the devil, and bring it into our present day discussion as anything that tries to come between us and our free-flowing relationship with God. Now look at this. We've seen this 
interesting conversation that has ensued between Jesus and the devil. Now, we want to find out how did Jesus, uh, you know, resist the devil. Number one, Jesus was successful at resisting the devil because he had first submitted to God. I want to say that again. Jesus was successful at resisting the devil because he had first submitted himself to God. Look at this, church. Within the Christian kingdom, everything that is done is done on a matter of priorities. So Jesus was teaching us in the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter and the 33rd verse. This is what he said. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, what Jesus was saying is that, you know, a careful um, focus and acquisition of the most important thing would ensure that the other things that are also needed uh, will be achieved with ease and flexibility. So, so even within the kingdom of God, even with respect to resisting the devil, things have to fall in place so that, so that, um, submitting to the authority of God becomes an indispensable prerequisite for a successful resistance of the devil. I want to say that again. You know, to be successful in resisting the devil, submitting to God is, a, is an indispensable prerequisite. Everything I just said here was is, is, is beautifully summarized by the Apostle James in the book of James, the fourth chapter and the seventh verse. This is what he said. He said, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Now look at the interesting procedural approach that the Apostle James presents to us. He, he said, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. And if we read the scripture carefully, Matthew chapter 4, in verse 11, the Bible, the Bible says that and Satan left Jesus Christ. Because Jesus had first submitted himself to God. Look at when Satan asked Jesus to, um, you know, to throw himself down from the top of the temple. Jesus said to him, he said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, Jesus had submitted to the authority and leadership of God so much so that he was not willing to to trample, you know, to, to trample upon the name of the Lord, to trample upon the dictates of the Lord in any way whatsoever. And this is beautiful. We, we have to grow to the point as Christians where we can model our lives after the manner of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The second thing, and which is what Jesus did that we ought to be able to learn in our quest to resist the devil and his temptations is that Jesus knew the Holy Scriptures. Jesus knew the Holy Scriptures. Now, look at, look at Jesus' responses. Consistently, you find Jesus quoting from the Scriptures. Look at in verse, in, verse, in verse 4, Jesus responded by saying, Humanity does not live by, on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is written. And then Jesus again tells him in verse 7, he says, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, Jesus tells him in, in verse 10, he says, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So consistently, we see Jesus expressing himself in the language of the Holy Scriptures. 
But here's what I really want us to pay attention to. Did you realize that although Jesus was quoting from the Holy Scriptures, that the devil was also quoting from the Holy Scriptures? Did you see that from the Scriptures? This is in, this I'm talking about, this is in chapter 5, verse 6 actually. So chapter 4, verse 6. Jesus, Satan said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Now this is Satan speaking and he said, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now this expression, this statement that, that Satan made is actually what is canonized into our present day Bible as Psalm 91, I think verse 11 or verse 12, where, where the Bible says he shall give his angels charge over us so that we will not even dash our foot against a stone. Now the devil comfortably quotes the same scripture from the Bible. So if we need to know the scriptures to resist the devil who already knows the scriptures, how are we going to go about this and what makes the difference? Look at this. <laughs> it's one thing studying the scriptures to satisfy your to satisfy your own, uh, if you like, premeditated, uh, selfish desires. It is one thing studying the scriptures to satisfy your own premeditated, selfish desires. But it's another thing studying the scriptures to give glory to God. So it's another thing studying the scriptures so you have a better platform to give glory to God. Now here are two people. You find one person using the same scriptures and using them out of context, misapplying the real context of the passage to say, he has given his angels charge over you, throw yourself down. And here's another person who has read the scriptures with the hidden intention of glorifying the Father. And so whatever he does is his gear towards glorifying the God of heaven and not just to prove a point. And so as we go into the study of the scriptures, um, the focus should not be on just, you know, making a point to people, for people to see how much knowledge we have about the scriptures, for people to see how, you know, how, how we know so many things from the Bible, but that we go into the study of the scriptures because we want to have a better platform and a better opportunity to to glorify the Father. There was a time when Jesus was telling the elders of the of, of the of the of the law. He was telling them. He said, "Look, you think that just by reading the scriptures, um, everything is okay? The scriptures are supposed to lead you to me. And so there is something that the scripture must do to us with respect to our own hidden intentions. And here here lies the difference between the way Jesus was studying the scriptures and and the way Satan was studying the scriptures because the intentions were different here. Now look at this. So we see here that there are two different things that Jesus did. Number one, that he had submitted to the authority and leadership of God, which gave him um, that platform to be able to resist the devil. And again, Jesus was also um, very much versed in the, in the study of scriptures with a proper intention of glorifying the Father. So as, as we go through this new year, it is my fervent hope and prayer that we would be able to model our lives according to the pattern that Jesus has set for us. Please, let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful and we are thankful once again for the life of Jesus, that we can look onto the life of Jesus, model our lives accordingly. 
to the glorification of your holy name. We thank you that there is this platform and there is this opportunity for us to even hear your word and to be able to know what to do. Thank you because you are a God that loves your children and has never failed us. We pray that you would water this word that we've heard with your, with your spirit from heaven and that it will bear fruit again to your glory. We give you praise and we truly give you glory in the precious name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen.